written in chalk, the echo of Arthur Stace, explores the legend of the man who became Mr Eternity and how that word ended up emblazoned across the Sydney Harbour Bridge at the turn of the millennium. This award-winning documentary is now available to watch in the free Vision app. Just tap the Watch tab and scroll to the Written in Chalk channel. If you don't have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, download it when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store or click the link at vision.org.au slash app. Vision Watch. Another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We're very busy with um, a lot of church activity, meetings, and they're lovely, but um, God has told us to go and bless our city. (laughs) Jeremiah 29. Um, We're responsible for it. We're put in a place. Research shows that a large percent of young Australians learn about sex from pornography, and unfortunately many are first exposed to it as young as 8 and 11 years of age. It's statistics like these that drive today's guest, Letitia Shelton, in her work as founder of City Women in Toowoomba. She believes like smoking, society can quit another harmful addiction. We'll be discussing the work she's involved with with City Women, including a campaign called A City Free From Porn. That's Letitia Shelton with myself, Brett Ryan. And as you would imagine, we give you a little ears warning. Well, welcome to the program, Letitia. Thank you, Brett. Great to be with you today. Well, you're in Toowoomba at the moment, and we appreciate you being available to talk over the internet. And so that's a reason why we would love to have the interview face-to-face. But this is the next best thing. It is. So tell us a little bit about the Letitia story. Yeah, well, I was born uh, here in Toowoomba, born and bred, grew up here. Um, when I was 15, our family spent a year in Fiji working over there. My dad's a pastor, so we were helping with a church and a business, um, came back to Toowoomba and graduated. Then in my 20s, I moved to America, actually, for three years. And uh, Really? And what did you do there? I did Bible college in Dallas, Texas at Christ for the Nations, And I was still in a phase of trying to sort out my life and what I wanted to do. I wasn't thinking I'd become a pastor, but um, again, God called me back to Toowoomba after I graduated and started here in our church, Toowoomba City Church, as the youth pastor. Um, But obviously, uh, my dad, who was the senior pastor, we were always taught that we were here to pastor a city, Um, you know, that the church just doesn't focus on itself or its own people, but... Uh, we're here to pastor a city and we've got to do that together. So I've always grown up with the heart of looking out into cities and nations and um, just during those early days as being the youth pastor, we began to get involved a lot in our community, especially with women and girls. And, um, yeah. and that's where I kicked off City Women. Well, that's a great place to start. And I love that wording that it wasn't just a pastor a church, but it was to pastor the city. And mm. so you have made it your life's mission, I guess, to pastor women, but to inspire other women. So tell us a little bit about City Women. Mm, We're an umbrella organisation for around 10 other kind of ministries um, that are reaching out to women and girls. And our mission has always been to uh, work together across the churches. How do we, um, you know, work together as women from different churches, look at the needs in our city and how can the church address the needs And so it's been a fun journey. We kicked off in the year 2000 and 
Oh, one, I think it was, after the mayor challenged us. Um, we had a mayor back then who um, was a female, had a huge passion for particularly the young people, and, and she spoke at a women's event and she said, you ladies are doing great things inside your church, but why don't you get outside the four walls of your church and uh, do something for the young people of our city? Wow, that's great. She actually swore at us. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, we probably needed swearing that. Um, the church has become so insular. Um, I think we lose sight of the mission and the call that we have to our cities to be salt and light. And if we were going to be really real about where we're at in our cities, we're losing the battle. Yeah. Um, there's there's more people that don't go to church that do. So um, anyway, that kind of kicked us off and we decided, well, let's just run a camp for girls in our community. And yeah. um, we took away 20 girls up to the Bunya Mountains, which is about two hours from Toowoomba. And and during that weekend with um, these girls from different public schools, I just remember having five sitting around the dinner table with me, all sharing about their stories of being abused. Um, and we got to the fifth one and she just said, we've all been abused, we need help. And, um, you know, those God moments where you just feel like God really speaks to you and says, yep, you know, there's a cry. There's a cry in our city. And um, I think that sometimes the church's ears are deaf to that cry. Yeah. But I heard it loud and clear that night and realized that we had to find a way to work together uh, more effectively in our city. Um, and so that kind of kicked off me gathering women and beginning to talk about what we could do in that space. So. Yeah. It's such an in blight on our society when you hear of five women, young ladies, mm. and all of them share the same experience. Mm. I mean, it's not just girls who get Absolutely. abused. It's also young boys as well. But this inspired you, challenged you from a mayor to, you know, get your act together, yeah. look outside the four mm. walls of the church. And these things, unfortunately, happen in the four walls of the mm. church as well. But yeah. you started looking outside where did you go after the camp? Yeah, well, we continue to do camps. I think we've done about 65 now, um, <laughs> many years later. Uh, and then we just kept seeing needs. So a school, I remember a school came and said, can you help our girls? So we started off running a girls kind of a bit like Shine. Uh, we called it Bella Girl. And we did that in 30 schools across our city for many years it was an eight-week course that we'd run during a term and schools just kept asking and asking uh, and then we realised that we didn't have a pregnancy support centre and 70% of women have abortions because they just don't have support. So, well, as Christians, yeah. we need to be in this space. Um, so we were looking at the needs and finding out, well, who has the passion? Um, you know, we started having thousands of refugees arrive on our doorsteps, so... We started a ministry called You Belong that would welcome these refugees and help get them English lessons and driving lessons and just finding out life. And then before we knew it, we had a brothel and a strip club opening in our city. And so, again, had to find out who was passionate about starting that ministry. So it's just been this journey. Well, hang on. We just got to go back to a little bit of time out. You just said, and then we had a brothel and we had to start a ministry. So what was that all about? Uh, well, you know, I mean, um, our state government decided that Toowoomba needed a brothel. Again, this is about 11 years ago. Our politicians come up with great ideas, don't they? And uh, we lobbied them, we petitioned, we did rallies, um, we engaged with them at every level, but um, they didn't listen to us. So the next thing we did was to find somebody who had a passion in that area and uh, just sent mm -hmm. them into the brothel. Um, people ask me, how do you start a ministry into a brothel? And I just say, you knock on the door. 
<laughs> really. Uh, we didn't realise there was training. Now we found out about Rahab Ministries, which comes out of Adelaide and does great training. But um, for five years, we just did it. And then we got trained yep. later. And so it's just going in there, loving them, making sure these women know that they have value and worth and being available for whatever needs that they have. So, yeah. And what type of experience do you have? Are they reluctant participants? I mean, they're either making the choice or the choices have been forced upon them. So where do you start with having a conversation? Because they see these fine Christian women coming into their world and thinking there's something different about you. What's the type of conversation you have? You talk about their children, their family. Um, I generally ask what's brought you to work at a place like this and there's a whole range of reasons from um, desperation for money, um, you know, to wanting power over men. Uh, One woman said to me the other week, she said, I've just learned how to get money out of stupid men, Um, (laughs) which she was honest. Uh, Another woman wanted to raise money for a cat shelter. You know, I've heard it all. Look, in most of their lives, when you dig a little bit deeper, there's abuse, there's brokenness, there's issues. Um, But they're the most beautiful women, and we are very open that we're Christians, that we're from different churches, Mm -hmm. and they love that we have come into their space in a non-judgmental way just to love and listen to them. So we are welcomed in with open arms um, from the managers. That's Um, tremendous. So it's just amazing. So... When the brothel had opened and had been going for about five or six years and then the strip club opened right in the centre of town and, uh, again, we went through all the lobbying and petitions and everything we could to stop it from opening because we don't think they're good places to have in your city. But uh, as soon as it opened, I knew we needed to send another team in there. So the manager at the brothel gave us a reference to take to the manager of the strip club <laughs> uh, to say, you, you want these people in there. That's extraordinary. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love it. So this incredible favour, and she didn't feel threatened what you were doing. And as I understand, you've had the manager of the brothel speak at a women's mm. event. Yeah, generally a couple of times a year we'll do a big city women event where we keep bringing women together across the churches to um, highlight what we're doing, what are the needs, where women can sign up. It's kind of like the rallying call. And um, this was going back a number of years now, but I thought, oh, it'd be great to just see if the manager of our brothel will be our guest speaker. Um, And so she said yes. She had worked all night at the brothel and arrived um, that morning and sat right on the edge. She was scared stiff. I think we had about 250 Christian women there. And I said to her, just get up and just tell us how our Rahab team is supporting you in the brothel. You know, just a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, let us know. Well, she went into her whole life story of being adopted into a pedophile ring here in Australia from a young age, um, you know, abused all her life. She became pregnant as a teenage mum, had four sons in her pregnant years. Of course, you're going to end up in a brothel and um, get paid. You may as well get paid yeah. to be abused, as I've heard many of them say. And, so and she's just a beautiful woman, this lady, and um, I think we didn't have a dry eye in the house. <laughs> her story... Uh, was really impactful and and that day it was actually her 43rd birthday and um, I'd asked uh, one of our team members I said can you just arrange to bring a gift for um, the manager and well our team member had arranged 43 gifts to present to her so we brought them out in a huge wheelbarrow and our women gave her a standing ovation I think something powerful happened in our city that day as we just said you belong 
you belong. You don't have to behave first. You belong. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I think so often we look at these places and these women and we can become very judgmental, um, not necessarily yeah. through what we say, but what we don't do. Um, mm. And so, you know, I've got a passion to humanize these people because they're beautiful human beings, yeah. just beautiful human beings. So we fell in We've love. We've all fallen short Absolutely. of our ideal. It just so happens this one seems to be a bit more overt, but yet you showed her grace you showed her honor you saw her and valued her mm. tell us a little bit about where her heart is now yeah actually we were messaging just a few weeks ago um she's living up in central queensland running a horse farm and life is still really tough for her um, obviously when you live 40 or 50 years and a lot of dysfunction it, it's tough work and um her mm. sons it's it's hard but um you know, she's she's a beautiful woman on a journey and um, mm. she has, you know, encountered Jesus along the way through us. And so we just keep praying and reaching out it's to her where we out. can. But um, it's the long journey. Um, it's the long yeah. journey with these people. It would be nice to see overnight success, but it's a long journey. So, yeah, I, I really so. challenge um, wherever I speak, I challenge uh, the Christians. You know, we don't always have to hear from the other Christian speakers. Let's hear from the pain in our city let's hear from those who don't know jesus let's just hear what's yeah. going on in their life because we have so much to learn about who god is through them very <laughs> much so very much so um, they're not just our projects at all my name is brett Wright, and i hope you're enjoying the show stay with us as we continue our chat with founder and ceo of city women in toowoomba Letitia shelton right here on focus on the family australia The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Hi and welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan and we are chatting with the founder and CEO of City Women, Letitia Shelton. We'll explore more about the work she's involved with in addressing the impact of pornography and how she's supporting women in that community nationally and internationally. The catalyst for what you are doing started with the mayor and you have been working integral with the, the council and the mayors and you probably had different mayors in that time but one in particular and one thing that I really like to unpack a little bit more is this a city free from porn mm. now it's easy to say a city free from porn is that possible mm. but tell us about your journey yeah it's actually been with the same mayor we've had a great mayor who's been in for a long time I think this will be his last term um but, yeah, this campaign really came out of the camps we'd been running for teenage girls and hearing the stories of abuse, you know, after abuse, after abuse. And uh, I, I just became aware that porn fuels so much of this, yeah. you know. And I actually remember reading, I think it was in the Australian newspaper one day, that the number one abuser in our nation was the brother um, because he was watching porn and then generally they act out what they're seeing on the sisters or cousins or whoever's in the home. And and so I thought, well, it's great that we are helping thousands of girls, you know, who've been abused, but you actually want to stop it <laughs> at some yeah. point. 
Um, and so, you know, we've got to begin to address the issue of pornography, not just at a church level, which, you know, we might do the once a year porn talk at church, which is not even enough. But the challenge is when you're pastor in a city, how do you address this at a city level? Yeah. Because we're responsible for the city, not just our little church. So I connected um, with our mayor about this, and he's always had a passion around the sexualization of women and, and stopping that. So he got on board with the campaign. And so every year we've done kind of some major event in our city, um, whether it's been just a rally outside town hall or last year we did a big community breakfast with um, over 200 people from from Chamber of Commerce to police to school principals um, and I've really pinpointed the um, campaign, particularly around our kids, because no mm-hmm. one's going to argue that we don't want our kids to see pornography. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I had this discussion at the strip club with the women the other night because um, they found out about the campaign um, mm-hmm. and that I was leading it and um, they were on the verge of making a lot of fun of me. But when I brought it around to um, the kids and that our kids are seeing it between the ages of 8 and 11, and this is what they're seeing. Uh, these women weren't arguing with me. So... This past two years, I've been trying to raise money to get a book. There's just a brilliant book called How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography mm-hmm. um, because we've got to help parents. Yep. Even though our school principals are on board with this and they address the issue in school, by the time Johnny in year nine or ten hears the porn talk, uh, you're probably four or five years too late. Um, yeah. So parents yeah. have got to be equipped and if you're going to give your kid a device, You've got to talk to them in age-appropriate ways around the yeah. issue of pornography. Otherwise, just to leave them to their own device is hugely negligent. So I'm setting out to um, get 30,000 of these books onto doorsteps of homes in Toowoomba and just put something into the hands of parents. And, you know, if it ends on uh, Billy's doorstep and Billy's 35 with no kids and addicted to porn, the book will be very helpful for Billy <laughs> As well. Very much so. It's uh, for all ages absolutely. that we have to deal with this. And people think, oh, it's just a young person's, but I've spoken at men's breakfasts. And, you know, I had a 75-year-old gentleman come to me and say, you're the first person I've ever heard speak about this topic. And people say, well, it's just a guy thing. It's just men. But we're also seeing an increasing number of women. And uh, we at Focus are all about educating and helping parents navigate this. And we've got some resources on our website, which I'll talk about a bit later on. But Mm. that's a wonderful thing. So do you feel like you're making men think differently about porn in your city? Yeah, look, men and women, I think we've got to keep women in the conversation. Yeah, I do. Um, Last year I got invited by the head of our hospital to speak to her team on the link between porn and DV. Domestic violence? Yes, domestic violence, you know, because we've got, well, I'm part of a big committee in our city that wants to end domestic violence, but I keep saying unless we address the issue of pornography, because 88% of porn is domestic violence and the damage it does to women, and men. So, look, you know, getting to talk at that level. Um, I've been meeting with police on and off for three years, and they're beginning to get on board. Uh, so, it's creating conversations. We do billboards, we do television ads, radio ads. Um, and yeah. so, you're creating conversations. Look, can I say that the porn viewing in Tumba has gone down? I've, I've really got no way of telling that <laughs> yeah. at the moment. But we've certainly created a lot of conversation. Um, and I think also it's given people the freedom to come forward and share their stories and get yeah. help. So we have a website, cityfree.org, which has a list of Toowoomba counsellors where you can get um, counselling from. Um, there's help groups, there's resources. 
Again, it's just one of the many things I do, so I probably don't get to put all the time and effort that I'd love to, but um, yeah. we're having a go. Well, you, you sound like you're doing an amazing, amazing job, and it is difficult because the needs are so great, and it's hard to know where to start and stop, but it's not only the person who is looking at it and the addictive nature of that, but it's also the ongoing victims, the young people that are portrayed in these movies and pictures, but also the spouses that are left behind because of the, the domino effect that this Absolutely. has. Yeah, no, it destroys everybody, doesn't it? <laughs> you said city women, Toowoomba, but is city women just in Toowoomba or what's happening across the nation? Yeah, no, it's um, branched out into uh, a number of other cities over the years. We're very organic and it's very much a volunteer-based organisation. So I need to add that things that we've started over the years have stopped as well, according to who's kind of been around. So things have started and stopped and same with other cities. But no, it's um, certainly uh, branched into other cities. And And I just encourage them, I mean, I'm not trying to start a franchise that all follows Toowoomba, but it's about unity and mission. So, you know, it's it's joining the body of Christ together. Uh, And women do particularly join together a bit faster. (laughs) Um, And and then looking at the needs and what you can do together. So, you know, in some cities they might just choose to look at one need. Um, You know, others, it just depends. But, um, yeah, it's been exciting to see it launch into places like Townsville and Mackay and Illawarra. Liverpool and the city of Ryde and Sydney. Um, so, you know, there's a number of different places around Australia. And the needs are enormous across this nation. And I'd really encourage people who are hearing this and saying, maybe that's what I've been called to do. This is what I could do and get out of my own little clique in my little community church mm. and start serving their city. Yeah, I think it's really important. We're doing a forum next week and it's called Running In. And that as Christians, we haven't been called to sit on the sidelines, (laughs) but we've been called to run into the darkness and engage in it and be part of the answer. And I love the women in the Bible. And Abigail is another one of my favorites because danger and darkness was heading towards her family. David was mad at her husband and David and 400 men were heading towards Abigail and her husband Nabal's family. But she ran out. Um, and I mean, imagine as a woman running out into an army of 400 and intercepted and made one of the longest speeches in the Bible by a woman uh, with huge wisdom and courage and cut off, you know, the danger that was coming to her community. So yeah. I think sometimes we've retreated or we've just sat there and we wonder why suddenly we find our nation in this huge mess because. We're not turning up to the brothel door and knocking on the door. We're not going to the refugees and saying, what can we do Um, to the kids in care? uh, We're very busy with um, a lot of church activity, meetings and and prayer meetings and Bible studies, and they're lovely. But um, God has told us to go and bless our city, (laughs) Jeremiah 29. Um, We're responsible for it. We're put in a place, um, and I think we've been a bit disobedient to it. Oh, really? Yeah, very much so. The other thing that we haven't had to talk about is that you're an author, and you just mentioned Abigail, and I'm sure she's part of the series of books called Disruptive Women, mm. using biblical principles and women of the Bible to inspire other women mm-hmm. to get into knocking on people's doors and getting into the darkness. 
Yeah, look, it really started again a number of years ago. Um, I think I just picked up a book from Kurong that had over 300 women in the Bible, um, just short little bits and pieces, and I started reading these women. You know, I've grown up in church, and I love the church, but, man, have we heard a trillion sermons on the men, and usually the same, you know, men. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no one's ever preached about Rizpah, you know, or the woman of Thebes, or these women who built cities. Shira, a woman who built three cities in a patriarchal society. Um, you know, we might hear about a nice Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day or something, but um, generally I find that the church has just made women nice. <laughs> um, so I love that title, that disruptive exactly. women. Exactly, and I realise these women in the Bible aren't sitting around doing crafts and having cups of teas. Um, they are hammering tent pegs through the enemy's head. They were planting churches. They were funding the work of Jesus. They were at the cross in the blood and the guts. They were announcing the resurrection of Jesus and meanwhile, we've got this whole generation of nice church women, and it's nice to be nice. Yeah, it's nice to be nice. <laughs> uh, we want to be godly. Um, but I, I think women do feel the pain and they see the issues, and I feel like there's almost a roar in their hearts, but we haven't given them permission. Yeah. Um, now, I've grown up in a brilliant church where I have been released to be all that God's want me to be, but I speak at many, many other churches and women's conferences, and I just feel like this cloud sits over the women where no one's just said, go for it. Mm. Take a risk. Fail. Have a go. <laughs> go knock on the brothel door. You know, walk into darkness. And so, yeah, as you can tell, I'm passionate about it because these oh, are the women. Don't in the apologize. Bible. Do not apologize at all. <laughs> no, because I'm not. I love it. Really quite inspiring. So you've committed and, and sacrificed to write these stories and to elaborate and then how we can apply it to our everyday worlds. Absolutely. It's so applicable to today. Not that we recommend people putting tent pegs in people's <laughs> eyes. That's something else, but Oh, look, you know, you'll be sent to prison and you can do prison ministry then. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't recommend violence these days, but it's that spirit that just says enough is enough. Yeah. I mean, JL had had enough of Caesarea, you know, he was abusing Israelite girls. That's the context of, of what had gone on. And so she had just gone, enough is enough, yeah. um, which, you know, where are those women in the church today? I mean, our children have been ravaged and <laughs> we're still nice. But I've just loved it as I've learned about these women and dug a lot deeper, yeah. and they inspire me every day. So. When I feel overwhelmed or daunted, I just think of them. Um, they're not fairy tales. They're real-life women that God used. And so may we be like them. I think we need them today. I mean, I love, too, the powerful partnerships of people like Deborah and Barack, Mary and Joseph. It's not like we just need a whole feminist movement of Christian women. We've got to work in partnership uh, with our men. The church is a family of God. We need men and women's voices working together. Tremendous. Well, Letitia, I just love having you as one of our guests. And I'd love to have you back again to talk more about your journey and how you live out your life even more. And uh, But thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Brett. Our guest today was Letitia Shelton. She's an author. She's the founder and CEO of City Women in Toowoomba. To find out more about the ministry and her books, you can go to citywomen.com.au. We hope this program has given you greater insight into the harmful effect of pornography and some of the issues that women face in today's society. And may it inspire you to do something in your community. For more resources on pornography, including a book for kids called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, you can go to our website 
at families.org.au. I'm Brett Ryan and we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.